So we'll start with Pesach Sheni, because it is Pesach Sheni. So, first of all, Rav Shlomo brings on a number of different things that happen on Pesach Sheni. First of all, just in case everyone doesn't know, that Pesach Sheni comes from the story in Bahalotcha, Sefer Bamidbar, when uh, it begins by saying that they kept the, the Pesach and then uh, I'm not sure how many people it was but uh, some say it was two people came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said we, we were tame, we were impure on Pesach and we couldn't bring the Korban Pesach how can it be that there's no way we could bring the Korban Pesach? In other words, they couldn't, they, they couldn't believe that they couldn't bring the Korban Pesach. Moshe asked God what to do, and he said that uh, 30 days after Pesach, um, this is actually not Pesach, it's 30 days after we brought Korban Pesach, so tonight is Yud Dalad Iyar, which is exactly 30 days after Yud Dalad Nisan. And Yud Dalad Nisan is when we brought Korban Pesach. It's not Pesach, yeah? It's Erev Pesach. Yeah, it's Erev Pesach. Right? So, tonight is not 30 days from Pesach, it's really 30 days from Korban Pesach. Erev Pesach. And so God said that anyone who was Tameh or B'derech Rechokah, he was far away, they could have a, uh, they could bring uh, the carbon Pesach on Yud Dalet Iyar. And so in the Torah, so that's really all the Torah says. That's all the Torah says. So the Mishnah, on the words Derech Rechokah, they were far away, there's a dot. In the, in the, actually, in the, in, in the Sefer Torah, there is a dot over the hay of derech rechokah. So anytime you have a dot over a word, it's not that often. It means that there's some you know, great uh, secret here, a great teaching. So the mission discusses, well, what does it mean far away? And what does it mean that there's a dot on it? Actually, the mission doesn't say it that way, but the Mishnah says, what is too far away? So, the, the Mishnah says, from Modi'im and outside. In other words, in a circumference. You know, from Yerushalayim to Modi'im, and then a circumference all around. Anyone who's from Modi'im and out, but they were trying to get to Yerushalayim, so they have a second chance. But if you were from Modi'im in towards Yerushalayim, you had to bring it the first time. You couldn't say, well, I was too far away. So the Bartanura says, well, like, wh- why Modi'im? Like, what, why Modi'im? Why not someplace else? So the Bartanura says that Modi'im was picked because it was a one-day journey from Modi'im to the temple. 
And he says that if, if someone got up early in the morning and got on their donkey, they could be at the temple in enough time to bring Korban Pesach. So that no one had an excuse. With the traffic today, it's about right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wrong time. Right. Day to get so, uh, so that's how they get Mojahim. <laughs> but in, on a deeper level, as it applies to us, right? So, Rav Shlomo, in, in the name of all the Rebbe's, said, what's the teaching of Pesach Sheni? The idea of another chance. You, like, you didn't do it the first time? Like, you don't see, you know, like, whatever, someone was prevented from putting on tefillin, right? And they ran to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, like, like, there's got to be, like, let us put it on at night. We couldn't do it in the day. Like, right? There's no other, really, example. There actually is another example of when people come and ask for something and Moshe didn't know the answer and goes to God and that's the daughters of Slokhat. When they say, like, how can it be that like, if we had brothers, we can understand. We won't get an inheritance. But there are no brothers. So how could it be that we, we don't get an inheritance in, in the land of Israel? And God said to Moshe, they're right. So in both cases, Rav Shlomo says, this is the secret of Torah Shabbat. He says that, in other words, the written Torah is, this is what you do. So what's the Chiddush here? Someone came and said, well, like, okay, I have a question. It's not written here. I have a question. And it has to be addressed. And in both cases, God says, they're right. They're right. So Rosh Hashanah says that this is the secret of Torah Shabbat. That we always have the ability to, to add, to ask, to go deeper. And he said, that's what Pesach Shemi is all about. Not only another chance, but the whole mechanism of the oral Torah. The whole, the whole mechanism. Did, did, he ever, did he ever try into the thing that, that most of the people of Modin then, and because you've got another generation, were, were like about the Shuvah, so they, they like took a second chance or got a second chance yeah for sure because the I mean, did he ever cry into that that it was you know the um, I mean I vaguely remember him saying like like what's happening in Modi in yeah, today yeah, that's what, that's what is a the same thing is a like living example uh-huh. of what Pesach saying is here we are in Modi in right and what's too far away well, if you're in Modi'im, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, you're not too far away. Right? And since, uh, I'd say most of the people, most of the older Old generation on the Moshev are coming from very far away. Like, like, mom is far away. Probably, probably farther away than anyone in the Gomorrah could have imagined. Uh-huh, right. Because at, at the time of the Gomorrah, so like, like, okay, you have, you have 
tzedukim, you have pirushim, right? But everyone's from, right? right. Uh, different definitions of what from is. Right? <coughs> and like David Melech is called Balchuba. Okay, but he's, he's from his whole life. He made a mistake. Right? Yehuda is called a Balchuba. No, he's from his whole life. He makes a mistake. But could they have imagined like a whole generation being brought up not knowing anything, right? And, and, and even if they knew doing dafka, the opposite, and, and then doing tshuva, right? So, in truth, Modi'in is the epitome of Pesach Shemi. The absolute epitome. It really, it really symbolizes, in a sense, a whole generation of Bali tshuva, Right? A whole generation. Because actually, in, in Eretz Yisrael, you have, I mean, as far as I know, you have Yeshuvim. I don't know, if any, with, with Bali too, I don't know of any Yeshuv in Eretz Yisrael that was made completely by Balchuvim. I don't think I don't think there is. If anyone knows one, tell me. I mean, there's Yeshuvim that have many Balchuvim, Right? But I don't think there was a Yeshua that was like Dafka started by Baal Tshuva. And that and that's it's Mamish Pesach Shani. Right? Derek Rochalka. It's an it's an amazing it's actually an amazing thing. Okay, so then they ask they ask in the Midrash, the Gemara, who were these people who were Tameh? And why were they Tameh? Why were they impure? So there's different opinions, and, the, and two of the opinions that are brought down, there might be more than two, but two of the opinions that are brought down, well, they both agree that, that they were dealing with a dead body. And if you're in contact with, with the dead, then you become impure. So one opinion is that it was the people carrying the Aaron of Yosef. And the other opinion it was that it was those who were who were who were caring and dealing with the death of Nadav and Avihu, which was only two weeks before. And it was Nadav and Avihu died two weeks before the incident of Pesach Shani happened. So Rav Shoma says like this: amazing, <laughs> it's an amazing talk. He says, like, what's the connection here? I mean, there's got to be a connection. If they're carrying the body of Donovan Avihu, and they say, we want a second chance, and God says, you're right, right, so it's like, there's got to be a connection with why they're Tommy and who they're carrying. So Rav Shlomo says like this, he says, he says, there's Torah Shebechtav and Torah Shebapev, the written Torah and the, and the oral Torah. It says the written Torah, it tells you exactly what to do. It tells you exactly what to do. The oral Torah is, I want to know deeper. Like, this is what it says, but like, I want to know deeper. I want to know more. So, Rosh says, he says, if you're not careful, you can turn the Torah into a Vodazor. You can, you can turn the Torah into idol worship. 
and we've been learning. In other words, if 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 you you can keep every every law in the Shulchan Aruch, and in a sense, still still be cut off from God completely. In other words. Even though we know that the halacha is supposed to bring us closer to Hashem. It's supposed to manifest the will of Hashem. But there, there, there is the possibility that someone could get so involved in the details of the halacha that in a sense they lose track that it's connected to God. And in a sense, it, it almost turns into into an idol worship. And so the Torah says, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. So Rav Shlomo said, what did not of an Avihu do? Also the Mishkan. God commanded us to make a Mishkan. And you make an Aron, and you make the Menorah, and you make the, the, the Mizbeah. And on the day that they put up the, the, the Mishkan, so Nadav and Avihu realized, like, the Mishkan has to be deeper than that we just did it because God told us to do it. It has to be because we want the Mishkan, we want to serve God in the Mishkan more than anything. Not just because God told us to do it. So, he said that's why they took the Ketorah, and they rushed into the Kadosh Kadoshim because whether they're right or wrong, what, what, what they wanted to show is, God, we want to serve you because we want to serve you beyond that, we, that you told us to make the Mishkan. <coughs> so he said, so who are these people who came and said, um, we're Tameh, we couldn't bring the carbon Pesach. There's got to be a way that we can bring carbon Pesach. So he said, it's from those who were carrying the body of Nadav and Avihu. So what did they pick up from Nadav and Avihu? They picked up the, let's say, the holy chutzpah to say, like, it can't be that we can't bring the carbon Pesach. Like, I know it's not written, but it's just, it's not possible. It's not possible. So this just reminds me of a story. I wasn't thinking of this at all, but it's, it's, a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect story for this. That um, there was a woman in Europe whose husband was very rich. And he was very generous. He loaned people. He gave people um, he went out on a limb for people, and he had he had so much trust. He didn't write anything down. He didn't sign people on on, on a Jose, You owe this much money. You're going to pay it back then. You know, some people did, some people didn't. And um, at a certain point, his fortunes like changed, and he he lost almost all of his money. And then he died. And his wife was left with all these children. And, I mean, she knew that like there was like tons of money owed to her husband, but there was nothing written down. 
So she went around trying to get, you know, all the facts, like who owes what and everything. And she she got enough facts, but she couldn't, like, she couldn't, like, prove anything. So she went to a, a, a big rub, and she told him the whole story. And she said, like, you know, there's got to be a way that I can obligate these people to, to pay back. And the rod said, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll look. And, like, he looked and he looked and he looked, and he couldn't find a halakhic way to force people to pay back because there was no proof of anything. There's no proof. So she felt like, this can't be. This can't be. So she goes to, I think it was the Rogachover. She goes to the Rogachover Rebbe, who was a Hasidic Rebbe, but he was, he was known as being a great halakhic expert. So she goes to him, she tells the whole story, and in like, in like 30 seconds, he says, um, yeah, there's a way to, to be able to obligate these people. So she said, well, you know, I went to this other, you know, great uh, uh, post-sec, and he, he looked and he looked and he looked, and he said there was no way. So he said, um, he said, go back and tell them that I said 100% they, they could be obligated to pay. So she goes back and she tells him. And he's like, I mean, because he really respected the rugged chopper. And it's like, he spent two weeks. He looked in every halakhic book right, that he could get his hands on. And after two weeks, he said, like, with all due respect, I have no idea where he's getting this from. I don't understand. So he said, go back to go go back to him and say, like, like I'm sorry, but I, I can't I can't find it. So she goes back and she says, and he says, um, tell him to look in the Tosfot on such and such a page and such and such a a, a masechta. And then he'll understand why I, uh, I said what I said. So she goes back. She tells him. Like he runs, because all he's interested in is the truth. He runs. He looks at this Tosvot. He can't believe it. The Rokhachev is right. He can't believe it. So, he's, so he says, you know, 100%. Okay, and so she was able to get... You know, obligate people to pay her back, etc. So after the whole incident, so this Rav he goes to the Rogachaga and he says, "What what I don't understand is, she told me that when when she first told you, you knew in thirty seconds. Like, how did you know in thirty seconds?" So he said. He said like this, and you'll see, you'll see how it's connected. He said, you know, when we put away the Torah, we say that the Torah is the tree of life. 
and everyone who grasps onto it, and that all its ways are ple- all its ways are pleasantness, and its ways are peace. So he said, when you came to me, right. want to give us a rendition? <laughs> come Shabbos. <laughs> yeah, everyone has to come on Shabbos to hear the rendition. <laughs> So, uh, <coughs> so he said, when, she, when, when this woman came to me and told me the story, I knew that, I, I knew instantly that there was no way that the Torah would not help this woman out. I knew just, like, like before, he said, before even looked into what the halach was, I knew there's no way that the Torah was going was to take the situation and have her lose out because her husband was so generous. Can't be. Couldn't be. That's how I knew. So it's the same thing with Pesach Sheni. Is that that's what they were saying. Like, we want to bring the, the Korban Pesach so badly Yes, according to the written Torah, right, we're Tameh, we can't bring it. But, but, I, but we can't believe that the Torah would not allow us to bring Korban Pesach if we want to bring it so badly. And so Moshe said, okay, I'll ask God. And God says, give him another chance. Right? Give them another chance. So this is the connection with Nadav and Avihu. I mean, it's a Gavaltic Torah. You know, where did they get the, the Seichel or the, the intuition or the Chutzpah to ask? Is because they were carrying the, body, the, the bodies of Nadav and Avihu. And without judging what they did, it was right or wrong, everyone agrees that they were coming from a good motivation. But a lot of people have good motivation and do things wrong. Right? So, and anyway, just talking about this, in, in last week's parsha, it says, Vayedaber Hashem Moshe, Achrei Mot Shnei Bnei Aharon, Vikarvatam Lifnei Hashem. That God spoke to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they came close to God. And so in Parshat Shmini, when Nadav and Avihu die, so it says that they brought a strange fire that God had not commanded, and they died. So over there, it, it, it seems like cause and effect. They brought a strange fire that God did not command, and they died. So one Whatever they did led to their death. But, thi- but in this parish it says they could do close to God and they died. So we, we learn from this in a sense when they died it was not a punishment. Why did they die? They wanted to be so close to Hashem. At that, at that moment it was the, the physical world was a barrier to them. And it, it was like, God, please, 
we want to be so close to we don't want any anything coming between us. Be careful what you wish for. Right? <laughs> exactly. So it says what it says, in their coming close to God and they died. So in other words, it wasn't a punishment. In a sense, they got what they wanted. So and that's why Moshe says to Aaron, um, now I know that they are greater than, than you and I. It says that, that God says, I will be sanctified by those that are close to me. The Koravai Akadesh. Right? By those who are close to me, I will become sanctified. So here we see that this idea that, in a sense, not of an avihu, if people learn last week's parson, like in the, in the deepest ways, that not of an avihu <coughs> paved the way for Yom Kippur. Because what do we do on Yom Kippur? We don't eat, we don't drink, no marital relations, no love or no anointing. In other words, one day of the year we, in a sense, cut ourselves off from the physical. One day a year. It's not the klal, it's not, it's not the arderach, but actually on the, on the holiest day of the year, we do like not even a vivo. And even more than that, how did not even a vivo die? They brought katorat on coals from the altar into the Holy of Holies. And so what does it say in Achrei Mot? What, what does Aaron do? The, 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 the high point of the service of the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur? Exactly what not even a view then. So, in the deepest level, it's, they didn't die as a punishment. And for, the, and for those who said that they were carrying the bones of Yosef, so, we could also learn this idea of a second chance in two ways. Number one, is that Yosef gave his brother as a second chance. Right? After being sold and, you know, almost left for dead, right? And after 22 years later, it was 22 years later, I mean, holding that inside, and then when he sees his brothers, instead of, instead of really taking revenge, having them killed, whatever, right? He gives them a second chance. So those are carrying the bones of Yosef. So you could say, but where did they get the inspiration? According to this opinion, right? So from from Yosef. But the brothers had to, had to prove their the shoe before they yes. got the second yes. chance. I mean, yes. say, oh, here they are, fine. You know, right. Was, uh, right. But in a sense, that was his chesed to them uh-huh. to get them to, to, to get them to do it. Right. Yeah. Right. That was even more of a chesed. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he just revealed himself in the beginning. But it wouldn't have been fixed. Right. Right. right, right, right. It wouldn't have there been fixed. There would have been resentment. Yeah. It wouldn't have been fixed. Okay, so Rav Shlomo says another thing, which is also a good vault. He says that, according to tradition, it's Rebbe Mayer's Yurtzeit on Pesach Sheni. Tonight is the great Rebbe Mayer's. Uh, yeah. The great Rabbi Meir's um, Yurtzeit. So how does this fit in with Pesach Sheni? So, see, according to tradition, I don't know if you've ever, if you ever heard the expression that while um, Rome was burning, Nero was playing his fiddle. 
right? Actually, they said the other that that Nero was playing his fiddle while while Rome burned. So, so according to according to world history, that uh, Nero he was like one of the Caesars of Rome. That um, after the destruction of the Second Temple. That no, excuse me. At, at the time, right around the time of the destruction of the Second Temple, and um, enemies had attacked Rome, and Rome was burning, and Nero was like in charge, and like like his whole world was falling apart. So world history says he committed suicide. According to the Talmud, he saw it as a sign from heaven that he left and disguised himself. And he came to Israel, and he became a gear. And Rebbe Meir comes from Nero. That's what the Talmud says. Who was Nero? No, he was like he was like the general. general. So like like who? I mean, Rebbe Meir comes from <laughs> a Roman general, like like one of the worst too, one of the worst. So um. I think it was with Nero that he began, he was, I don't have my history exactly right, but he was instrumental in the destruction of the Second Temple. Titus and Nero. And I think, I, don't, I think it was Nero, he, he wanted to know, like, should, should he uh, destroy the Temple? Should he, should he like, siege Jerusalem? So, it said that he shot an arrow like to the north and, and the arrow like switched directions and it fell facing Jerusalem. And he shot to the opposite direction <laughs> and like a boomerang. The arrow goes back and it points to Jerusalem. And he did it in all four directions. And he said like, I guess God is telling me I should do this. Right? Anyway, so Rebbe Mayer um, comes from from like a Balchuva, <laughs> from a Gera, from a Balchuva. And Reb Shlomo didn't say this, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking like this. So who was who was Rebbe Meir's teacher? One of his teachers was Elisha Ben Abayu, Acher, Acher. The one, there were four that went into the Pardes, and um, uh, one. Uh, ben Zoma went crazy. Ben Azai died. Acher became a, an Apichorus. And only Rebbe Akiva went in in peace and out in peace. So, so Acher, be, so Acher became an Apichorus. So it's, and he was like, like this, this was like, the, this is one of the biggest scandals like in, in Jewish history because Acher was brilliant. <laughs> He was one of the greatest sages. And Imamish became a heretic. But, and, Rebbe, and Rebbe Meir was his student. So it says that even after he became a heretic, <coughs> Rebbe Meir continued to learn with him. <coughs> and so they asked Rebbe Meir, like, how can you, how can you learn with him? And I, I, I don't remember the, the answer in, in, in Hebrew, yeah, but he, it was with a pomegranate, I think. He, 
yeah, something like he said, he said, I know how to eat the fruit and throw away the klipa. That was his answer. In other words, yes, he's a, he's a heretic, and he's, he's full of klipa now, but there's still some fruit there. Right? So the famous story, the famous story is that on Shabbos, he's learning with Rebbe Meir, with, with Acher. And Acher gets, goes to lead, he gets on his horse, He's, he's a heretic now. He's not Shomer Shabbos. Right? And Rebbe Meir is walking with him. And they get to Tachum Shabbat. And Rebbe Meir says to him, this is why I'm telling this whole thing, about a second chance. So Rebbe Meir says to Acher, he says, like, come back. Right? Come back. You'll be accepted. Right? Like, do tshuva. It'll be okay. And I say that for like, Acha was like, thinking about it. But a voice came out of heaven and said, everyone can do tshuva except for Acha. And when, when he heard this, he said, it's too late for me. But I learned an incredible drasha that the voice from heaven wasn't saying what it appears to be. That everyone can do tshuva but Acher. In other words, Acher, he can't do tshuva. But Elisha ben Abayu could. Right? Elisha ben Abayu could do tshuva. But Acher can't. In other words, if he's so stuck in being Acher now, he, he can't do tshuva. I'm only bringing this up because it's, it's Rabbi Meir's year to say, I'm Pesach Shani. And he's saying to Acher, like, even for you there's a second chance. Right? Even for you there's a second chance. And then the last thing that Rav Shlomo says, and then that's, we'll finish this part, is he says, something else happened on Pesach Shemi. Amalek attacked us in the Midbar on the, fi- on, on, on the 14th of Iyar. So he says, what's the connection? He says, um, because everyone knows that that Amalek is Gematria Suffolk. So, what Rav Shlomo says here, I mean, Rav Shlomo said a million Torahs about what Amalek is trying to convince us of. But here he said, Amalek says like this, like, you have a written Torah, says what to do and what not to do, you make a mistake, it's finished. That's what it says. Right? That's what it says. You make a mistake, you're finished. There's no tshuva. Like, like, God's serious about this. Right? That's what, that's what Amalek is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us, Davka, there are no second chances. You blow it, you're finished. And so who, who doesn't feel that they've blown it? Right? So that's how Amalek was attacking Right? Now, the suffix, the doubt that he put in us, was the doubt that we can do tshuva. Right? In fact, um, I learned this from, from Reuven Gilmore in the name of the Ger Rebbe. Right after Yom Kippur, we've just been, you know, davening five davenings. We've been in shul all day, davening nonstop. 
As soon as Yom Kippur is over, right, we start Shmona Esrei, and we go, Slach lano vino ki chatanu, right? Like, what do we do wrong? I mean, like, we're just atoned for. What could we have possibly have done wrong that already we're saying, forgive us? So the Ger Rebbe said, just in case there's even the slightest doubt that 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 every that we received slicha, mechila, um, and kapara, we have to do tshuva for that. We have to do tshuva for even the slightest doubt that God would won't accept our tshuva. So Amalek is trying to say just the opposite, right? You blew it, you blew it. That's it. One chance, one chance only. And so that's what it means, that he attacked on Pesach Shani. So the antidote, right, antidote was, we always have a second chance.